Hello and welcome. This is Hear Her Sports, the podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve in and outside of sport. I'm your host, Elizabeth Emery. Since the very first episode, I've talked to female athletes from a range of sports, ages, abilities, and goals. Obviously, you're already here listening, but do check out the full list of guests with all of the show notes and images on hearhersports.com. Today's guest is Madeline Deppman, who is a new mom, often a single parent while her husband is out of town, and an early career professional mountain biker. Madeline raced her first cross-country mountain bike World Cup in Snowshoe, West Virginia in 2021. Then, in 2022, her daughter Ruth was born. Madeline is now well back to training and feels herself again. In the fall of 2023, she placed third at the 50-mile Ring of Fire race in the Cascade Mountains, a notable and well-earned postpartum result. Madeline talks about what it means to feel herself again, her physical activity through pregnancy to now, the energy demands of breastfeeding, and her tactics for training and racing with Ruth. I learned so much and have so much more to learn, but so do we all. Madeline points out how there is very little research about pregnant and new mom athletes. We're in new territory because for so long, women were told they couldn't be both a mom and an athlete for a whole range of reasons. In the show notes, I've linked to an article about new mother marathoners and to the organization And Mother. Founded by runner Elisa Montano, And Mother focuses on removing systematic barriers to allow full participation and success for mothers in sports. Let's get to it. Please enjoy the conversation with Madeline Detman. Well, hi, Madeline. It is fantastic to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. I know that you're busy and you have a lot of lot going on. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Why don't you just tell us where you are right now, both physically and maybe less physically? Yeah, so physically, I am in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, this is home, but I actually live about half the time in Washington State because my husband's in the military. So when he's in the States, we live in Washington. And then when he's training or deployed, Ruth and I, my daughter, come home. Well, you indicated that you also have a daughter. Yes. <laughs> I have a almost 15-month-old daughter. And I hope that becomes a big part of our conversation. I mean, she's a big personality. It's hard hard for her not to become a big part of a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in Duluth right now. Yes. Which means your husband is deployed, so you're a single parent. Yes, I am right now. That's tough. It is tough, but she's a good little... Good little helper. Well, good. Let's talk about pregnancy and postpartum. And I was struck by something that you emailed me when we were talking about getting together is that you said you're finally feeling like yourself again. So first, maybe describe what that actually means and when that started to happen and how long have you been feeling like that? Yeah, so... Pregnancy took a bigger toll on my body than I expected, which maybe sounds silly, but I I guess I'm the kind of person who just always assumes, like, it's going to be great. I'm just going to bounce back. Everything will be great. I'll be back to, like, where I was within, I don't know, three, four months. And that wasn't, that wasn't the case for me, at least. Um, and I had a really smooth pregnancy, really smooth labor and delivery. Everything went as well as it can go. 
but it's a lot for your body. So, and I breast, I, well, I'm still breastfeeding actually, but I think that's the reason it's taken so long to get back to where I was. I feel like I started to feel really like myself again around nine, 10 months to a year after having Ruth. That was when my, my weight kind of got back to where it was pre-pregnancy. My core started feeling stronger. It wasn't getting sore on like short runs or I do some rock climbing. So my core would just get really sore if I climbed too hard or ran more than a few miles. Um, so that, that started going away around that probably nine, 10 month time frame. Now I'm, I'm working on weaning, but she's very attached to milk. So now we're down to just in the morning and before she goes to bed, my body feels back to normal. Again, I can wear my own sports bras. I don't have to have pads to catch the leaking anymore. And that was probably around the one year mark that that started. I started being able to wear my old sports bras again. And what about physically in terms of, you know, your strength or your power or, you know, for athletes when we go out, you know, like we know we're having a good day or a bad day, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I raced a UCI race in June. So Ruth was eight months old at that point. And leading up to that, my coach had me do some VO2 workouts, some of that high intensity. And I actually felt great for that race, like almost like where I had been. I was hitting VO2 numbers those couple weeks leading up to that race that were really close to my pre-pregnancy numbers. And I was super excited and the race went well. I was like pretty solidly mid-pack, which, and I, you know, I didn't know where to expect to be at that point. But then after that race, it took me way longer to recover. Like I'd go out for rides and I couldn't hit any numbers. I just, I had nothing in my legs. So I started to have like tastes of that come back sooner, but my body just needed significantly more recovery time um, than it normally would. So I would say this fall, I had a race that went, that went really well and that I didn't need that super extended recovery time. So yeah, about a year was when my numbers came back and my body could handle the numbers. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so prior to this, you know, you're feeling more like yourself. It sounds like a a big issue was the recovery time. Yeah. Describe what it was like during the lead up to that. I'm feeling like myself. So what's happening before that? Yeah, I guess before I started feeling like myself, I'd, I'd have like a couple weeks that I'd be like, wow, I'm, I'm back. I'm hitting all these power numbers I hit before pregnancy. I feel great. I'm smashing all my workouts. Like I said, I did a race and it went really well. And then the next weekend I did another race and I felt flat. I could go all day. I have that base in me, but I I didn't feel like I had any punch, any extra power to give it. If somebody passed me, I would try and my legs just like weren't responding, Um, which was a really strange feeling to like, I just, I was trying to push myself harder and I couldn't. And how are you knowing what to do? Or do you have a coach? I do have a coach. Yes. 
And how does that person know how to advise you? He, he's great. I've worked with him for quite a while now. I think it's been a big learning curve for both of us on the postpartum side of things. And he's always a big proponent of listening to your body. And, you know, he would always ask me, like, how I'm feeling. How did this workout feel? Like, and he also spent a lot of time reaching out to people who have coached postpartum athletes and reached out to some midwives about recovery that he knew to get answers and try to navigate this. Because there's really not, there's not a lot of research on pregnancy, on pregnant women in general. And then there's really not a lot of research on pregnant athletes. So. Yeah. And, and nor on postpartum athletes no. coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of just, what did this person do? How did it work for them? What is your physical therapist saying? What is your doctor saying? What were your doctors saying? And I should say that you also trained or were active during your pregnancy. I was active during pregnancy. I was not training during pregnancy. Sure. I, I was shocked at how few doctor's appointments you have postpartum. Um, once you deliver the baby, they're like, great, we'll see you in six weeks unless you have concerns. But I saw a pelvic floor physical therapist. I think it was four weeks postpartum. And I wish I had seen her sooner, even. The pelvic floor PT was the biggest part, the biggest thing that helped during recovery. I really learned, like, what sensations to watch for, like, when to stop, when it was okay to push myself, what pain was fine to ignore, and what pain could be, like, potentially dangerous to ignore or make recovery longer. Um, so that was really the biggest driver. And I, then I would tell my coach what the pelvic PT had said. And we didn't start any um, really structured training until a few months out, like 12 weeks out. Yeah, I want to talk about how you got back into it. But first, can we go back to the pelvic floor PT? Because I'm really curious about like what that actually is and, and what they're doing for you. And, you know, when you're not in the office, are you doing exercises? Sort of more specifics about what's, what's actually going on. Yeah, I started seeing a pelvic floor PT early on in my second trimester because I wanted to set myself up for the best recovery possible. And so, yes, I did a lot outside of the office as well. During pregnancy, it was a lot of the Kegels, gaining more awareness of my pelvic floor and how to contract and relax that and get used to using those muscles and strengthening those muscles. It was some hip, um, some hip exercises for mobility that could help with delivery. And it was a lot of education on birthing positions and what to expect postpartum. And then postpartum, it was more focusing on the core. Um, so I have a small diastasis rect rectus, recti, which is the splitting of the ab muscles. So I have like a little, it's not very big, but I do have a gap between my ab muscles. So now I have this like funny little dimple above my belly button. So it was a lot of learning how to properly engage my core and use all layers of the core muscle to get that strength back. And that was the biggest focus postpartum. I don't even know if I know how to engage my pelvic floor muscles. 
Yeah, I didn't before. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back to once Ruth arrived, like what happened between that day, her birthday, and starting to train, you said, at 12 weeks. Like, what are you doing to lead into the training? Like, how did you sort of ease yourself? I'm assuming that you ease yourself into training. I probably should have eased myself more. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so she was born, and I started out with walking. Uh, The day we came home from the hospital, when she was three days old, I walked just around the block. That was about all my body could handle that early on. And then on day 10, it was just a beautiful day. And this is late October, early November in Minnesota. So the snow was coming. So we had like a 60 degree day and I went for a mountain bike ride because I knew it would be the last one before it was too cold and snowy. So I did that and maybe I shouldn't have, but it felt so good. I was so happy to be out on a bike and not have to worry about a bump in front of me. And then two weeks after she was born, we got a massive blizzard and we started skiing and I would just put her in the carrier, like just right on my chest and go really slow. So I probably should have eased into it a bit more, but it just felt so good to move my body again and be outside that I couldn't resist. Then why do you say that you should have eased into it more? Because I think it weakened. I don't think at that point I knew how to engage my core properly. And I Mm. think it actually made that gap a little bigger and made the recovery longer because I was using my core more than I should have at that point. I sure hope you are enjoying this episode with new mother, Madeline Detman. If you are, please consider supporting the show with a cup of wonderful coffee. These days, I'm making pour-overs at home using coffee from a local roaster. All of the support I receive from listeners through Buy Me a Coffee and through Hear Her Sports Bookshop page go directly to editing and producing this podcast, which means your support increases the amount of media coverage for female athletes and women in sport. Sports media coverage for women is on the rise, but primarily from small enterprises like this very podcast. We can definitely use your help to keep us strong and well-fueled. Your donation will be very much appreciated. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash hearher or to the support tab on hearhersports.com. There's also a menu tab for our bookshop page. Thank you so much. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, AKA their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. Now, let's return to the conversation with new mom, Madeline Detman. 
and learn more about how she got back to her old self after giving birth to her daughter, Ruth. We talked about doctors, but did you have role models that helped you figure out that you wanted to continue exercising, for example, while you were pregnant, but also what you would be doing postpartum? There's a few other pregnant cyclists out there who I absolutely have fought, or not pregnant, but people who have small children or even older children that I followed and I would try to find their blogs and see what they did and listen to their podcasts just to get an idea and like, well, what is recovery going to be like? You know, I really, I, I looked into this a lot. So yeah, Sonia Looney's blog was one. Rose Grant is somebody who's done it. Um, obviously like Lizzie Dynan and Catherine Pendrell, I looked at all of their, you know, anything I could find about mothers who had come back to their sport and were just crushing it. I was looking, looking to them for inspiration. Did you feel that, I mean, I don't want to say alone, but that you're trying to forge your own way or you're having to forge your way because there aren't that many people doing it? Yeah, in some ways, yes, I'm forging my own way, and it's that much harder because I'm a single parent about a third to half the time. So that certainly complicates it a bit as well. But I knew that I want to be a professional mountain biker, and I knew that I wanted to be a mother. And I'm 28 now, and 27, 28, up to, I don't know, 33, 35 is the ideal biological time to have a child. And I figured my best chance would be to have a child and know that my body is in the ideal state to go through that and to recover from it and then get back into racing. Cause I wanted, I know I want, I knew I wanted both of those things in my life. You said that Ruth is 15 months. Yeah, just about. So you've had you've had sort of 15 months of postpartum and you've had obviously the 9 months of pregnancy. Like looking back, do you have any different thoughts, change of thoughts, sort of uh just some sort of perspective now that you've had all this time to think back on what you did, would you do things the same, different what you learned? Yeah, I think I probably would do things the same. I really can't imagine not having her. And it's, it has changed a lot of things with perspective and mindset. Um, and it makes it a lot harder in some ways, but I really, really wanted to be a mom and I was ready for that. So I don't think I would change it. Well, I'm, I also more meant like specifics about training during prayer. I keep saying training. I don't mean training. (laughs) <laughs> but exercising during pregnancy or any nutrition, I mean, certainly not doubting your pregnancy or decision to become pregnant. Um, I think that during pregnancy, I exercised as much as I felt like I could. Um, I think I would probably lower my expectations for exercise in pregnancy, at least the first trimester. Because I did not expect the level of fatigue that first trimester. I mean, I went from a few 20-hour training weeks to 
I have to take a nap before and after a 30-minute walk in that one week. And that was a really hard shift. Uh, and I was not prepared for that <laughs> mentally. Um, so I guess I would probably change that. And I, I didn't mean that you were questioning <laughs> my decision to get pregnant, but it was something that we, my husband and I talked about a lot. Like, do we, do we do this now and have a baby and then I try to go back and race? Or do I wait a few years and see where my career is going first and then have a baby? And so it was a big, it was a big decision and it was a hard kind of choice to make. So that's more what I meant when I was answering that. Right. Yeah. One of the things that impresses me is that you have found a way to stay active during pregnancy, but also now you're taking care of Ruth and your husband is away quite a bit. Yeah. How have you created that ability to be able to do that? What did you do? What tactics did you create? Yeah, this is actually taken a lot of the time to figure it out because at first we really didn't, we've, we have very supportive families and in Duluth we have a lot of really great friends, but it did take a while to kind of figure out a system that works. So for us, what works really great is to have a few babysitters in rotation and to have probably around 10 hours a week of babysitting help. And anytime that I have a babysitter, I am training. That is my time to be on a bike, on skis. And that is how we use that time. And then I also have set it up with a few friends who are stay-at-home parents as well. And we will, they'll come to our house, I'll get on the trainer for an hour, and then we'll go to their house. And he'll get a run in or a ski in. And so we have like these babysit swap set up one or two times a week. That's cool. And we did that last winter for Nordic skiing. We had friends and um, friends who have a baby the same exact age. And so the two babies would be laying side by side on the floor of the ski chalet. And we would just take turns getting our workouts in. That's cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that works really well for me is that Ruth goes to bed absurdly early. Like she's asleep by six o'clock. And so I can always get on the trainer and get another hour or two in after she goes to bed. So what are your week, your training weeks looking like now? Right now I'm training, I would say around 15 hours a week, mostly on the trainer and then some lifting time or if I need extra endurance time, I can get a run in with her in the stroller without needing a babysitter. One of the things that I've read recently about postpartum is that the nutritional requirements for breastfeeding are super high. Like, I've read a lot of things about mothers who are just surprised at how much energy that takes. Has yeah. that been your experience? Yes. Well, now it's not such a big difference because I'm not breastfeeding as much. But at first, yeah, it's a lot more calories a day. And it's a lot more liquid a day. The hydration needs were really high. So I work with flow formulas and their um, like electrolyte mix has calories in it. So that helped a ton. Even if it was a one hour ride on the trainer, I needed those extra calories and getting those electrolytes too. You know, it was, 
Yeah, I feel like it was so much easier to get dehydrated. So I almost always had an electrolyte mix in one of my bottles, and I had water bottles all over the house in an attempt to <laughs> drink enough water. Were you interested in nutrition before, or is this something new that you've had to focus on? It was something new I had to focus on. I mean, I always was like, I, I'm like, ah, you know, I eat healthy. I Nutrition has always been hard for me during longer races. It's something I've had to focus on for those long races. But then this year I had to focus on it for everything. For train, like small training rides, big training rides, all races. Um, so, yeah, no, I guess it was not something that I was super interested in before. You know, when you talk about this and when we were talking before, and I I did ask a question similar to this, but again, struck me, which is just, I don't have any kids, so I'm asking this partly out of ignorance, but it seems like there's so little information out there. And everything I read preparing to talk to you said, like, there's nothing out there. I had to learn it for myself. That just sounds so hard. So you're trying not to become dehydrated. You're trying to make sure that you don't get yourself into some sort of red S kind of situation. And there's no information. You're having to rely on your body to tell you what to do. It just sounds like a disaster waiting to happen, actually. Yeah, it's sometimes it was really stressful. I mean, this summer after that race I was talking about earlier, how I I just had nothing for a couple weeks after that race. It really took everything out of me. And I mean, I went to the doctor and got my blood tested. I was like, am I anemic? Am I missing some key nutrient? Am I not eating enough? And yeah, the doctor didn't really have answers. And luckily I just sort of bounced back. But yeah, there's no research on postpartum athletes because there's not that many in the first place. So who's volunteering for studies? And I don't even know who's doing the studies. If anyone. If anybody is, yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I read, I think it was in one of your blogs, you wrote that you had a higher heart rate post-pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, so I've actually, I have a few friends who are doctors, and I've asked lots of people, but I noticed that I had a higher heart rate when I was working out, and I could sustain a significantly higher heart rate. So what are we talking about? Give us... Like yeah, so numbers. before pregnancy, my max heart rate I had ever hit, I believe, was 192. And then doing power tests postpartum, I think I did one like four months postpartum as a baseline. I sustained 194 or 195 for like oh a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, And yeah, even with skiing, I would notice my heart rate would just be really high, but I felt, I felt fine. I felt like I could sustain it. Yeah. The best explanation, the most likely explanation that I got from friends and from my doctor was that you still have that extra blood volume. So potentially Mm. that's part of why you can sustain a higher heart rate. But I, I don't know. I don't know if other people experienced it. I couldn't find any research on it. It was weird. It was I guess I haven't done a power test to know if since then I've been, I'm still able to hit those super high heart rates and sustain them. So if that's true, what, like, how are you, or your coach, how are you guys, the two of you designing your training program? Are you using heart rate? I mostly am using power. 
But for, for sure. things like okay. skiing, all I have is heart rate. Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess we really just used the power and then by feel because I didn't have my, – my baselines were different. Everything was different. So we were just going with what we had and then he had me test more often last year than I typically do to keep updating those numbers for my training. Right, right. And what about your power? How has that changed? Or are you getting back to like pre-pregnancy power? By now I'm back to pre-pregnancy power. And when you hit those numbers, do you feel like that's your max? Do you feel like you're going to gain power? I'm just curious sort of like what the ultimate end will be. Yeah, I think I still have room to grow. Mm Mm-hmm. I felt like I still had room to grow pre-pregnancy, and now that I'm back, I am I feel strong again. It's coming back. What are your goals, short-term and, you know, like, let's say another year from now and then longer term? Yeah, I have been talking to my coach and thinking about this quite a bit, um, especially coming into this season. In the past, I've focused mostly on cross-country, and I think this year I'm going to change it up a little bit and focus on some longer events. I did the Ring of Fire this fall, which is part of the NUE, which is the marathon mountain bike, one of the marathon mountain bike series in the US. And I came in third at that race and I was battling for second for most of the race. The other woman and I were with each other for a lot of that, which is super fun to race side by side like that. And I just felt strong at that distance, at least until I started cramping. But I felt I felt good, and I just, I think I want to give those longer races more of a go this year and really focus on, like, a few key races instead of doing a huge cross-country calendar, um, give Ruth a little bit less travel, myself a little bit less travel, and see see if I can get some really solid results and improvements this year. Ideally, I'd want to do three or four bigger races that require some travel and then hop into some local races so I can really be part of my Duluth community this year. And longer term, do you expect to be doing big travels, bringing Ruth? Yeah, I I want to see how this season goes because I'm getting to a point where I either need to start actually making money at this or I can't spend as much money on it, which is hard to admit and hard to come to terms with and figure out how I can make this sustainable because I love it. And I think I can be really good at it. But that's what this season is all about, is trying to figure out how to make it sustainable. I do love being on a mountain bike. That's where that's where I've always been happiest, is just out in the woods, What is it that you like so much and what are you good at? You mentioned that you are good. You could be really good. That's a good question. I feel like things have changed over the years. When I first really started getting into mountain biking, I was, I would say I was a really strong climber and I still do really like climbing, especially like steep technical, not super technical, but technical climbs. And then I actually lived in Roanoke, Virginia for a couple of years. I went to grad school out there and I got so much better at descending 
And I started loving that. And so that started to become one of my strengths. Um, and I would say now I'm pretty solid, just like, I'm not the fastest climber, but I'm not a bad climber. I'm not the fastest ascender, but I have some pretty decent technical skills. So I'm, I just have a strong engine. I can go, I can go hard for a while. <laughs> I can keep that heart rate high and just sustain it and keep pushing. So I would say that's more where my strength is right now. It's not in anything super technical or not a super good climber anymore because I weigh a little bit more than I did when I first started racing. And yeah, <laughs> I guess it's it's different postpartum too. My body's just different. So I haven't quite figured out like if I have a niche or if I'm more just like solid all around and less specific than I was. You know, again, I'm talking from complete ignorance because I don't have kids, but it must be weird to, you know, have shifted so much in your physical being. It, yeah, it was weird. And the other super weird part of being pregnant is, yeah, you can still be active, but you're not allowed to fall. And mm. falling is a huge part of mountain biking. And so I had to be super, super careful for 10 months on the bike because that was the rule. You can't fall. So that was a big mindset shift when I came back to to be like, oh, it's okay to fall again because it takes some nerve to fall for the first time if you haven't fallen in almost a year. I fall all the time. <laughs> yeah, I fell all the time before pregnancy. And then um, during pregnancy, I wanted to stay active. So my rule to myself was if I even hesitate on something, I'm going to walk it because it's not worth the risk of falling. So by the end, I would stop before a curb and walk up the curb and get back on my bike because it just wasn't worth taking any risk with my balance points being different, my weight being different and in all in the front. So, yeah. I, this may be a hard question because as you pointed out, you know, it's not really mountain bike season right now, but were you able to counter that? I mean, are, were you able to not walk over curbs anymore? I mean, sort of where do you think you are in, in that progression? Yes, I... I got back to a point where I could really, at least by the fall, I could really, like, rip down hills again okay. and be bold. But, yeah, it took a few months of riding again to be like, oh, oh, yeah, it's okay to fall. It kind of takes a couple falls to be like, okay, that didn't hurt so bad. I can do that again. I'll go a little faster on this section next time. What else was a surprise or something that you learned between getting pregnant and where you are today? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like a lot of things. It's hard to know what being a parent is going to... It's impossible to know what it's like until you're actually in it. And then even then, I think every kid is so different. Yeah, the length of recovery really surprised me. I really thought um, it would come... I would feel like myself faster than I did. And I guess a couple things. Okay, so the first thing is the lack of control you have over your life once you have a kid. Because, like, Ruth goes to bed at 6 o'clock. I didn't pick that time. She's so tired by 5.30. It's, like, all I can do to keep her awake until closer to 6. 
so that she doesn't wake up before 5.30 in the morning. Or things like, she's not a napper. She'll take one nap a day now, but it either is on me or in the stroller. So I have just had to adapt around that, which has been fine because I either get a nice long walk-in or I get to sit down in a rocking chair and hold a sleeping baby for a while. But I had thought like, oh, I'm going to be able to ride the trainer when she naps. And that's not the case for me. So that like lack of control is surprising because they just come out with their own agenda and their own preferences, um, which is fun because you get to meet this whole person, but you're not really the boss. But the other thing that I didn't expect and has been a huge positive is a mindset shift. Um, when I go to races, I've found that when I get to a race, first of all, I plan way better for the race now because I have to have a babysitter. I have to have a schedule. I have to make sure I have all my food ready the night before, my number pinned on, my kit set out, my nutrition plan. Everything has to be done ahead of time for me and for Ruth. So there's no no last minute panic because I don't have, I can't have last minute panic. So now I'm better prepared for races. And I feel like my mindset is also better because I'm so busy the day of the race, making sure everything is set up that when it gets to be time to warm up, I just go warm up, I go do the race. So I don't have all that time to like be rushing around, being nervous and getting things ready last minute and be like panicking because I forgot something because I'm better prepared. And I'm busy right up until I go warm up so I don't get as like nervous and shaky and I just, it's nice to be able to follow a plan. Yeah. And who are you bringing to races so that somebody is there to watch Ruth while you're racing and warming up? Yeah. um, So last season, I planned my schedule based on where I would have babysitters and help. So I went to the UCI race in Virginia because I had lived there for a couple of years and I had family, families who are friends out there and kids I had coached who wanted to babysit and friends to stay with who didn't mind having an eight month old around. So that was one of the reasons I chose that race specifically. And then I did a race in Oregon and my husband could come with for that one. Did a race in Wisconsin, and my parents met me there. Um, I did a race in Montana, and Rose Grant helped me out because she knows what it's like to be traveling with a baby and training and racing. So, yeah, I just had to ask for help more and go places where I could ask people to babysit. So a lot of the travel and everything was just Ruth and I. But then once we got there, we would have help. That's a good tip. To plan around friends. I like it. Yeah, it worked out really well. And it was super fun to see friends. And given this whole discussion that we've just had, what kind of tips do you have to other women who are in your position, are interested in being a mother and a serious professional athlete? I would say just you have to have a great support system. You have to have people who are willing to help out and some sort of child care to train. Because you can't, at least I can't do it all while she's asleep. And some days are are harder than others because you might not get as much sleep the night before and you're not necessarily in control of that. 
Um, so I've had to be more flexible and sometimes move around things in my training plan and just tell my coach like, hey, I got not enough sleep last night, which luckily doesn't happen very often with Ruth. But there have been days where I have to say, hey, I, I can't do this hard workout today. I, I need to switch my rest day and just let my body recover so that I'm able to actually do the workout and do it well. What do you think you did really well during this whole time period? That's a good question. I I think I always put Ruth first and I've been a really good mom. I think I always did that well. And there are some times that my training did actually suffer a bit, but she has to come first. Well, excellent. Is there anything that I missed that I should have asked you because you certainly are the expert in this area more than I am? <laughs> I don't know if I'm an expert, but <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Um, yeah. I think maybe I miss saying this, but um, one of the other things that shifted mindset-wise was with my training. I think before... I was a mom, if I had a workout that like really went poorly, it was, I would think about it the whole rest of the day and I'd be kind of like, oh, I didn't get it. Like I should have like, could I have gone harder? Could I have done this differently or this? And just like that overanalyzing a lot of things. And now I'm able to treat it more just like a job. Like this is the time I have. I have an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half workout. I just have to get on the bike do the best I can and then move on to recovering and set myself up for the next day. And so it's, it has helped me like live in the moment more and just treat it like this is the job I have to do. I'm going to get it done. And it's, even if it's hard, I can push through it and just like get it done because I have to. Well, thank you. This has been really interesting and I am super excited to follow your season this year. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Thank you, Madeline, for teaching me so much about training during and post-pregnancy. If this topic is of special interest to you, I'm working on some more mom athletes for the show, so stay tuned for those episodes. If you are new to Hear Her Sports, a big welcome to you. There are so many former guests to discover like new mother Helen Weinman in episode 117, or take a listen to speed skater Erin Jackson in episode 107. She's been ripping it up all season, so check that one out. Find all the episodes at hearhersports.com. Also on the website, there are ways to reach me, sign up for the newsletter, be sure to do that, browse through show notes, and to support the podcast through Bookshop and Buy Me a Coffee. Thanks, everyone, for being here. I so appreciate your time and attention. I know there's lots to listen to out there, so thank you for choosing Hear Her Sports Podcast today. If you enjoy the show or learn something, be sure to tell your friends about it. Hear Her Sports is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts. For more information or to check out other shows on the network, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, bye-bye.
Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 